When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, everybody, back to the Oklahoma Trail podcast. I am your host, Andrew. And as always, I have my co-host, Matt, here with me. A surprisingly fun night for the New York Jets on Sunday Night Football against the Kansas City Chiefs. Unfortunately, it did result in a loss and some late game uh, craziness. We'll go with from some referees and some conversions and controversy and all of that fun. But alas, Zach Wilson came alive, had arguably the best game of his Jets career looked like a completely and totally different player than what we had seen over the first couple of weeks. And in that same vein, the offense and the play calling from Nathaniel Hackett also looked completely different from what we've seen over the first couple of weeks of the season. Matt, you and I made our whole point on our show last week. They have to trust Zach. They have to open things up. They can't just coach so scared of their own quarterback so that he gets in his own head even worse. This was the complete opposite of that last week, last this week. Excuse me. This was the complete opposite of that this week compared to last week. We really saw Nathaniel Hackett trust Zach Wilson to throw the ball down the field, trust him to put the ball in his hands. Um, I want to get your take on this, Matt, but this stat really stuck out to me going through this game. They only had 16 total rushing attempts as as an entire team for the whole game, where we've seen 10 straight first and 10 runs the week before just on first and 10. And now they only run the ball 16 times. Their first play of the game was a play-action pass. They came out their first play of the second half uh, it was a play action pass as well. And it's it's a completely new identity. And I really, really think we saw not just Zach Wilson, but the whole offense really respond. Uh, we really did. Uh, and not just in terms of play calling. I think it also changed in terms of personnel on the field. I think they heard a lot of what the fans and we have been complaining about, about who we want on the field and who we'd like to see a little less time. Uh, looks like, Carter actually had more snaps than Cook, although Cook did have more attempts. He had four more attempts out of that measly 16. Um, Then I believe you had, uh, as far as tight end position, uh, I think uh, Rucker also uh, out-snapped CJ. So seeing him get on the field more was nice to see. 
And then it, it continues. Xavier Gibson also getting 11 snaps. Uh, not so much uh, for Hardman. He's still maxed out at around six snaps. Uh, but even still, just these changes alone, I think, added a little bit of energy, added a little bit of spark. These are guys coming off the bench hungry, and they deliver. Uh, Conklin had a nice back shoulder catch from Zach. And, yeah, I mean, it, it, the offense was firing on, on all cylinders after we spotted them 17 points, of course. But uh, they still came together. And even when we kind of got off to that slow, slow start, you can tell things were different. The play calling was absolutely different. I was tracking like how many times we ran the ball on first down, and I was pleasantly surprised in how it was maybe one in the first quarter, I believe. Uh, so that that was nice to see. Um, it, it all came together, and I'm glad these changes are being made uh, week by week instead of and like going multiple weeks into the future and keep calling for these things, keep calling for these changes, and nothing happens. Uh, we've kind of seen this before with Zach last year in benching him, how people were calling for Zach to be benched long before he actually was. And this year, I'm, I'm seeing that, that change. We're asking for an uh, extravagant change along the offensive line, and he does it. Well, he may make that call, and they move back then over to the left. They move AVT out to to right tackle, and they put Titman at right guard. That was a dramatic move, and one that has paid dividends so far. We've seen this offensive line really come together and coalesce into a formidable unit, especially when pass blocking. They still have a little left to be desired as far as run blocking, but hopefully that comes in time as well. Uh, and everything just kind of you know painted a picture for Zach where he was allowed to get in rhythm and kind of build that confidence. And for maybe one of the only times so far in his career, we've seen exactly the guy that we hoped he would become when we drafted him. That guy that can do everything on the field. He can throw uh, laser bullets uh, to the back shoulder, reading leverage, and make the tough completions. He's a guy that can evade a pressure, roll out, and make plays on the on the move. Uh, although Carter should have caught that one pass, it was still a play that Zach made happen, and it should have uh, gone for more. So it all finally came to fruition in this one game, and I'm really excited to see like where it goes from here. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, I mean, we talked about it last week. The fans were being too harsh on this guy, that he wasn't the complete and total dumpster fire that we saw at his worst in 2022 when it, it, the offensive coordinator had no choice but to call an incredibly conservative game because you couldn't have the risk of Zach Wilson airmailing a dig route five yards over somebody's head and having it be intercepted or throwing a swing pass into the dirt when you got somebody wide open on a little check down. Those type of things we didn't see this year. We didn't see that in the preseason. We hadn't seen that through the first couple of weeks. Was it perfect? No. Was it good? Not even close. But we saw the improvement. We could tell that there was a conscious effort on some of the biggest issues that Zach Wilson had at his worst. 
and we saw improvement. And that was really important to see. And we both agreed. We didn't feel like this was the guy that you had to completely and totally hide and that you're doing more damage to him by hiding him rather than trusting him. And so the theme of this week for the entirety of the offense was, all right, Zach, let it rip. You got it. We trust you. We have your you have our full support. We're not just saying it in press conferences anymore. We're going to show it on the field. And this was the most confident football I've ever seen Zach Wilson play as a pro quarterback. And it's not even really close. I mean, the only game that I can even remotely think of that that is even somewhat similar is his rookie year against the Buccaneers. When if not for late Tom Brady heroics, they beat the defending Super Bowl champion Buccaneers in a close game. Eerily similar how that is now. Defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, and if not for some crazy late game heroics, nonsense, whatever you want to call it, it seems like Zach Wilson would have knocked off a, a star-studded quarterback who just came off a Super Bowl victory. The, the thought process in him to trust his arm, to trust his eyes, to trust his mechanics, to trust his reads. It was like something I've never seen. And it really got to a point, Matt, I don't know if you were feeling this same way, where it, it got to a point partway through in the middle of the game, going into halftime, going through into the first drive of the third quarter, that this was that Zach Wilson was carrying this offense. That it wasn't the offense completely and totally helping him out, that he was making plays himself to help this offense. He makes two incredible throws to covered tight ends. You mentioned the one uh, to Tyler Conklin on the first play of the third quarter, comes out from under center, looks upfield. Conklin's covered with a linebacker, shaded to the inside with his back turned. And like you said, just like at BYU, okay, I see your leverage. You're not looking at me. I can put the ball in whatever little honey hole I want, outside, shoulder up high for Conklin, boom. 17 yards or whatever it was first down on the first play. He has another play later in the game that gets them within the red zone where he throws a slot fade to Jeremy Ruckert and he changes the protection at the line. He sees the blitz coming off the right from the Chiefs. He keeps Conklin in to protect as an extra blocker. Jets pick it up. Uh, Ruckert goes up the right sideline, runs a great route on the slot fade. Again, defender has his back turned inside leverage, can't see the ball. Put it high and on the outside on the back shoulder. Ruckert makes a great catch, sets him up at the 12-yard line. They score a couple of plays later with an incredible, an incredible touchdown pass to Alan Lazard, splitting a hole between zone coverage, beats the safety with his arm. I, I saw a clip of it, and I tweeted after the play. It was a, I have a rocket arm, and I'm just better than you, bro. Where it's, yeah, the safety's closing. Yeah, I know he sees it. There's a hole. It's it's a tight window, but I can fit it in there. I, I have this missile attached to my right shoulder. I can get it in, no problem. Perfect location, perfect timing. Throws it on an absolute line. Guns pass Brian Cook, the safety closing. Hits Lazard in the chest, touchdown Jets. And then the 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 cherry on top, Matt, that, that I really was just taken away by that told me this team is going, Zach, we trust you. Two-point conversion to tie the game, and they call a design quarterback draw. And they say, Zach, get us the two. It's on you. You got us here. Take it in. Yeah, we have Brees Hall. We could give it to him from two yards out. Yeah, we have Garrett Wilson. We could throw him a screen. We could do some sort of block then release tight end like we had to CJ Uzama for the first touchdown. No. Two point tie the game. You just came out on the in the second half and let us down the field. We're putting all our eggs in your basket. We're trusting in you to go get it for us. And you know what? He did. He splits two defenders between a missed block from Joe Titman and a missed block from I believe it was Lakin Tomlinson 
has Chris Jones closing and Mike Dana closing in on him, jumps between the two of them, bounces, resets outside, accelerates, makes a linebacker miss and stretches the ball over and ties the game. I, I was speechless. I was speechless. The it's one thing to to show your trust in somebody and see the improvement and see the gradual change and okay, we're getting some confidence. But it was like this is the only little bit of anything Zach Wilson needed to be unlocked, and now he was, and it just came pouring out of him. And I am, we'll we'll get to it soon. But oh my goodness, am I excited to see what he's going to do against this Denver Broncos defense this week? Ah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really excited now. As like we were saying before, where it was a overreaction to to really trash him after the the performances of Dallas and New England. I would say it's also an overreaction to say he's fixed or that he's finally turned a corner or that he's finally come into his own, however you want to say it. I still think it's way too early to even say that. This is one amazing game for sure, and one that we should be very happy about, one that he should take a lot of pride in. But we need to start stacking these kinds of performances it actually doesn't even need to be half as good as, as the one he did in KC. it could be as good as it was in buffalo or even a little bit better than that there's a wide range when it comes to playing well uh we need to just see him fall within that range multiple times in a row and especially against teams like the broncos coming up this was a game against one of the best defenses in the league in K- kansas city that he did this against. So logic uh, on the table would say, hey, this should be something he should be doing a lot. If he can just align those things that I said before of confidence and rhythm, because if he has those two, it's scary what he can do. And I really hope that they really put their foot on the gas and don't let up when it comes to play calling and just let it rip, let him run this offense the way this offense was supposed to be run. Don't give him a completely different look just because he's not Rogers. No, give him the same exact looks, same exact plays, the same exact confidence that you had in Rogers, because if he feels that confidence, he'll embody it and make it his own. And what happened against Kansas city is the result. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I really, really couldn't. The worst possible thing they could do now is take the, their foot off the gas and go in the opposite direction from a play calling perspective. But that is that is the the worst, worst, worst possible thing they could ever think of doing. You have an opportunity this week against this Denver Broncos defense that is quite literally, as I'll go over shortly, last or dead last or close to last in pretty much every major statistical category in the NFL over the first four weeks, you have an opportunity to give this kid even more confidence. You have an opportunity to allow him to stack those performances and, and really get the, okay, it wasn't just one game. I can do this consistently. You have an opportunity to save your season. If you can get confident play from Zach Wilson, if you can get the rest of this offense going and clicking and learning and unlocked with all of the, the explosive talent that we know they have, if you can get this offensive line settled with the changes you've made, that's going to help your defense because they're not on the field as much. They're going to be able to make plays when it counts. Even if refs are going to decide otherwise, you have an opportunity to really 
change the the future of your team for this year and and ride this wave for longer than maybe it, it would have even dreamt of before. So I, I really hope they continue to stick to this. I do want to talk about this game because it was a loss and we're sitting here talking, you know, happy with the result pretty much almost from Zach Wilson, like it was a win, but it was not a win. And there was a handful of critical, critical errors that I think cost the Jets this game. When you're playing a team like the Chiefs, when you're playing the defending Super Bowl champions, when you when they have the best quarterback in the league unequivocally under center for them, they have one of the best tight ends in the league or the best tight end in the league, one of the best all time unequivocally running routes. When you have one of the best head coaches in the history of the sport, the only head coach to win more than 100 games for two different teams in Andy Reid, you have to play almost a perfect game. And there was a handful of missed opportunities for the Jets in this game that ended, caused it to end the way that it ended, 23-20, to 20, just a three-point difference. First and foremost, the little minor, the critical errors on the field, we can talk about C.J. Mosley dropping a pick six. He got another one later in the game. He got an interception, which was great. But he reads the coverage from the tight end. It's a little double, you know, sit inside fake and then cut back to the inside on a dig from the tight end. He reads it perfectly, drives on the ball, hits him square in the chest, and he drops it. Would have ran clean into the end zone, most likely. Drop. You had a handful of third down conversions allowed by the defense. Some shoddy tackling from Jordan Whitehead um, on Isaiah Pacheco on numerous occasions that allowed them to pick up some extra yards. You had some drops by your offense. You had a big drop by Conklin that would have been a touchdown. It wasn't a 100 out of 100 perfect throw from Zach, but evades pressure, gets out to his left, is on the move, sidearm flip. It hits Conklin in both hands. It's a little bit outside. I'd say it's a a 94 or a 95 out of 100 throw instead of a 100 out of 100 throw. Conklin has an opportunity to make the catch. Can't do it. Like you mentioned, the pass to Carter was third down, where, again, Zach evades pressure, gets out of a Bad situation, rolls out, finds an open Carter going over the middle, hits him square in the chest, and it's a drop. Would have been a first down on a big play. And none more so, Matt, and we've talked a lot about this off air, than in my opinion, the critical, critical mistake of a decision by Robert Sala to kick a field goal down 20-12 to 12 towards the end of the half with 30 seconds to go on the Chiefs' 35-yard line with a fourth and one. And they decide to kick a field goal, and it's a miss from Greg Zerline. Chiefs come out on the next play. C.J. Mosley gets an interception. Okay, great. That's awesome. Didn't have any harm, no foul from missing the field goal, but you're 25 yards further away from the end zone than you were 12 seconds before. There's only 18 seconds on the clock left now instead of 30. You still have your two timeouts. You're in the same position you just were, except all of this time has come off the clock. And if you have the aggression to match your offense, as a head coach, to have the identity of screw it, we're going for the throat. We're not playing scared. We're not going to play not to lose and not get blown out too much. This is how we're playing. This is what our team's responding to. We have confidence in them. We're going to take it. You take all of the air out of that in that moment and decide to go for a field goal. And it was a three point difference in the game. So you go for that field goal and miss it. If you hit it, it's a tie game. Sure. You miss it. You don't miss it. You're down three. You have an opportunity to go for a touchdown, you score a touchdown, you win the game in the end. And, and that, I think, is from the way the rest of this team played, from the way Nathaniel Hackett as a coach said, okay, things need to change. I need to trust these guys. I need to let it rip. And the results that you were seeing from your team throughout the first half to that point, 
Nathaniel Hackett did what he needed to do. Robert Sala, in my opinion, played scared. And I really think it cost them more than people are giving credit for. Mm. I, I tend to disagree. While I agree they need to be more aggressive in these situations, he had an, a chance to bookend with points before the half and points after the half. And I see his logic when it comes to, hey, with the time left and the distance, the chances are we're going to be going for a field goal try anyways. And at 52 yards, they really trust their line to hit that. So I think the odds were, let's, I trust him to get this kick more than I do the, our ability to get that one yard. And that's fair because their line is pretty money. He, he, he doesn't get Greg the leg uh, moniker for nothing. He's a guy that we have relied on and has come through in these moments a lot. And even further, if we extrapolate, let's say we did go for it and we still end up getting a field goal. Fine. Then we're t- at a tie game at the end. And instead of you know running out the clock, then Kansas City's just kicking that field goal and we still lose. So the only uh, scenario where that would have actually resulted in us getting the win is if we scored a touchdown on that drive, which there's a chance, but it's all speculation. And the chances are we're going for the field goal anyways. So that I, I don't contribute as much as a true determining factor. I think the, the, impact that the refs had on the game was way more impactful and definitely more detrimental, uh, whether it was the misholds on the Mahomes touchdown in the first half, whether it was the, the, the wacko holding on sauce, whether it was the hold not called on JJ, uh, any of these we that don't get called or are called, we win. I think those had way more of an impact than Salah's, you know, calculation of field goal or go for it, because I think those odds uh, are a little bit closer than if any of the other things were to go our way. Yeah, I don't disagree that the the refs definitely had a bigger impact. Uh, I mean, Jamie and Sherwood gets dragged down by his ankle by a chief laying on his back on Isaiah Pacheco's touchdown run. And that was Pacheco's no, touchdown. That's right. Not no mind. call. Right. No call. No call whatsoever. Sherwood is literally being with both arms and a bear hug around his ankle as he's trying to chase in pursuit and get a tackle on Pacheco. If that doesn't happen, he probably makes that tackle. At the very least, he slows him down and it's not a 43 yard touchdown. Not called. The penalty on Sauce Gardner for holding was their contact. Yes. Do I think Sauce may have been a little bit too. I don't want to say grabby because that's not the right word, right word. Maybe a bit too sticky with his arms and maybe had his arms on the back a little more than he should. Yeah, but I do, don't think it was completely and totally clear as day. I think the receiver was trying to make contact as well. And the biggest issue for me is that the flag comes after the interception. Yeah, where That was ridiculous. <laughs> that's, that's what really bothers me above, uh, above anything else. You're going to throw that flag, throw it while it's happening. And and then okay, that's what you saw. That's what you're you're deciding on to throw that flag a full like three or four seconds after any amount of contact that you're seeing, where the ref is literally double clutching it. Should I throw it and waits for the interception to be secured and then throws the flag? 
I mean, that that really bothers me. The hold on Jermaine on third and whatever it was for the multiple times the Chiefs got to convert huge third downs uh, for one reason or another, you know, that was really bad. You have a, a clear fistful of his jersey by the shoulder pad where his jersey is being stressed that isn't seen. I did see some things online from some former players saying that Jermaine needs to do a better job of selling it too and try and spin out or put his arms up in the air instead of slapping he the guy did, on the helmet. And and he, he did a he little did it bit. First, I think, and then he slapped him. <laughs> I think he did a little bit. I think he needs to be a bit more blatant with it. And if you got to fall to the ground, fall to the ground. Like if you got to sell it, sell it a bit more. I, I do think the refs should just call a clear hold. I, I don't think it, JJ should have to do that. But I, I can understand that argument of, if you're getting held that bad, make it even more obvious for people to see if they aren't. Um, the rest definitely had an impact. I'm not disagreeing with that at all. But you can't control the rest as much as you would like to. You can't control the rest. And so if I'm looking at this from a what can I critically evaluate from this team for them to actually be able to change going forward? I can't talk about the referees for too long because there's nothing the team can do at all to change how things are going to be called. They can change what they decide to do on the field, though. And so that's kind of the point for me I go back to is, did the refs have more of an impact? Yeah. Is it speculation over whether they're going to get in and score a touchdown? Yeah. But you don't even take, you don't even give your offense the chance. You don't even give your team the chance. You're not even, you're taking, is Zerline, it's less for me about trusting Zerline and more about not trusting the offense. I get trusting Zerline. You're 100% right. He usually is money from distance. That was his first missed kick all year. And he barely missed it, bounced off the upright. It's not like it was completely and totally wide. I, I understand the, the thought process and the logic there, but you got 30 seconds left. You have two timeouts. You don't need to go and score a touchdown on fourth and one. You can get a first down and call a timeout, and now there's 25, 24 seconds left to play. You're at the 30 or so yard line. You have another timeout. You're in the red zone. Even if you come away with a field goal, you take the Chiefs' chance. Uh, you take away the Chiefs' chance to drive down the field any longer. They they're really lucky. Pat Mahomes threw a dumb interception to C.J. Mosley and immediately gave them the ball back, and it ended up not costing them. But it could have. And, and that's where the we're not going to risk not getting a touchdown with our offense. Well, luckily it didn't turn out that way. But you took the risk of giving the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. And if you're going to take that risk on a long field goal. Take that risk, go for it on fourth and one, bleed out the clock, try and get it. You know, I, I'm just we could debate all day about this <laughs> and and it's not going to you know make that much of a difference in the end. I just really I want to see this team have an aligned identity from top to bottom, where if the defense is going to be trying to play tight and play aggressive and they're going to be, you know, sticky in coverage and trying to lay hits. That's awesome. Love that. We love to see the defensive line getting after it. We saw that a little bit in the second half from uh Jets D-line was nice to see them really start to wake up. We love all of that. We have this offense that we saw this past week that wants to go for the kill shot, that isn't scared, that wants to be explosive, that wants to take advantage of all of their players. We love that. And then you get a couple of coaching scenarios where all you need is Robert Sala to have that same belief. All you need is Robert Sala to have that same mindset and be aligned in the identity of no one thinks we're going to win. No one thinks we even have a chance. No one thinks... You know, no one's here watching this game for us. They're watching it for Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, or Taylor Swift. Screw it. 
we're going to do everything we can to win. And if it bites us in the butt, at least we tried. I just, you're down, you're down eight points. It's the end of the half. Your, your offense is showing what they can do. What do you have to lose? And ultimately, it didn't end up costing them too much. But I just want to see Robert Sala be aligned with the rest of his team in those moments. So let me ask you a question. This uh, this rugby style uh, tush push uh, play that everybody's doing on short yards have, has anybody been able to stop it yet? Uh, yeah, I, I've seen a couple of times when it's been stopped. I'm trying to remember the game specifically. I believe the Giants tried it um, the other night and it got stopped. Um, the Giants would the, try it and have it be the first one stopped. <laughs> yeah, but uh, um, there was um, I don't remember specifically, but I've seen it be stopped. The reason teams like the Eagles are so good at it is because their offensive line is massive and Jalen Hurts squats like 400 pounds. So they're a, a different league. I don't think you have to do the tush push. That's not even what I'm what I'm trying to say on that fourth and one. Call a play on fourth and one. You don't have to like I'm not just trying to pick up the short yardage. You can call a play. They ran that little bunch um, bubble screen to Garrett Wilson a couple of times. You could call that. See if you get the right look. You could spread everybody out and go four wide and hand the ball to Brees Hall and let him fall forward for a yard. You could, you know, there's other, you could throw the ball down the field. They had a third and eight later in the game on another drive closer in the red zone. They have a third and eight. They call a play to the end zone, score with Alan Lazard. So I'm, there's other things you could have done. So I, I'm just, I, I really didn't like the call. I didn't. And I, and I can't change that. I just think there's, there's so much more that you can do in that moment. And even if you kick a field goal, you eliminate the chance of giving Patrick Mahomes any time whatsoever to come back and take that away from you. No, I can't argue with that. In the end, usually being aggressive in these situations uh, works out in your favor, especially if you have momentum and energy and confidence behind your back. It's uh, it's wind in your sails. Right. And I think you take some of the wind out of your sails. And that's when all you've been dying for for so many weeks is is any amount of a breeze to come through and give you that wind to finally get it and take it away. I just feel like was a, a really poor decision. I can't argue too much, but yeah, I, I, it's it is what it is. And hopefully they've uh, they, maybe they'll tweak some things going forward in those situations. I hope so. I hope so. We'll get a, a big opportunity to see this week against Denver. Let's get to the Denver Broncos. First things first, Matt, I want to talk about this Denver defense, as I've alluded to. Um, they are the worst defense in the league right now, unequivocally. Um, they are number one in yards allowed. They are number two, uh, one in points allowed. Just flat out total. They are number two in passing yards allowed. They are number one in passing touchdowns allowed. They are number one in rushing yards allowed. They are number two in rushing yards per attempt. They are number one in rushing touch touchdowns allowed. They are number one in yards after contact allowed. They have only uh, gotten three total pressures on quarterbacks in terms of their pressure statistics, three pressures on the entirety of the season. They are getting eviscerated by anybody so far this year. Run or pass, it doesn't matter. They are getting outright carved up. And you have an opportunity as the New York Jets, in my opinion, to inflict your, your will and your dominance and run this Denver defense out of the stadium. I, I really, really think that you can take over this game from pretty much any angle you want. You need to have a balanced attack. We don't need Zach Wilson to throw 40 times in this game. We don't need to only have 16 rushing attempts for the entirety of the game. 
as Robert Sala said just a handful of minutes ago um, in the Wednesday press conference, there's no longer a pitch count for Brees Hall. He's back. It's been a handful of weeks. He's ready to go. They're taking the training wheels off. This guy needs 10 to 15 carries in this game minimum. You need to give him the ball in any way that you can. Let him get revenge on Denver Bronco on the Denver Broncos. Let him go back to the stadium where he had his ACL tear uh, less than a year ago and let him take out all of that aggression and frustration on the Broncos defense. He took him out from a year before. I think you can have a big game on the ground. Joe Tittman played some awesome football for the New York Jets last uh, last week against Kansas City. He had a play on Brees Hall's long run, 43-yard run, that if Conklin gets one more block, it's probably in a 35-yard touchdown, uh, 35 extra yards in a touchdown. You get Joe Tittman leaking out in front, gets up on a linebacker, and takes the linebacker 20 yards downfield on the play. Not even get a chance to touch him on Hall. They had another play, which is another Brees Hall run, where it's an outside zone to open the drive on first and 10. I think it was one of the few first and 10 runs they had. And Tittman takes the DT and washes him completely out and wides open a lane for Brees Hall, sticks his foot in the ground, gets up field 11 yards. I think you can have some a, a really, really big game on the ground here. This Denver front is not very tough. Their linebackers are horrendous. They don't know what they're doing, period. They just cut one of their starters and Randy Gregory earlier today um, because that free agent signing didn't seem to be working out for them. I really think you can take advantage of them on the ground, and, and I want to see that ground attack be a, a heavy, not an overwhelming focus. And while I am confident and I don't think you should completely take your foot off the gas from an offensive perspective, I do think you got to run the ball a little bit and you got to take advantage of this poor defense in all aspects. I completely agree. And I'm looking at some of the, the injuries that uh, the Broncos have right now. You got Frank Clark. Uh, he didn't play last game. Josie Jewell. A starting linebacker didn't play. He's still injured. Um, you have Justin Simmons, one of the, the biggest injuries, I would say. He didn't play last last week either. He's th- he's questionable. Uh, so you have a number of injuries that would make this depleted uh, Denver defense even more depleted if none of these guys can go. Uh, and I was just looking at something uh, that Salah said recently um, about how uh, Hall is no longer on a pitch count, but he wants to get the ball in a bunch of other people's hands. Now, if we're judging <laughs> Sala based off of past the uh, press conferences and what he says as far as you know, game planning for a week ahead, uh, we can kind of take what he says and reverse it. So I have a feeling this is going to be a Hall breakout game. They're going to feed him a lot, and really, logic says based off of what he's able to do on a per snap basis, as far as production goes, he's the guy you want on the field. He's the guy you want to put the ball in his hands and see what he can do. Uh, he still has that initial burst that allows him to explode through holes uh, and get into the open field. His long speed is not back yet, but you know what? He's what less than 12 months back from his injury. Uh, apparently the, uh, ironically happening in the same stadium uh, against the same team uh, that he injured it against. Uh, so I feel like this is kind of his his homecoming game where we see him get close to 16 touches just by himself instead of 16 touches for all running backs in a game. I think he, he kind of takes control and they allow Zach to, you know, just take what you can get. 
not have to be the guy like he was in Kansas City, but all at the same time, don't, you know, neuter him. Take those shots down the field. Do more of these back shoulder passes to tight ends because guess what? They're going to have Sertan on, on Wilson probably. Uh, so that's going to open up the rest of the field with everybody else. Attack it. Attack it nonstop, whether it's with the running backs, with the tight ends, uh, whether it's with uh, Gibson and, and, and Hartman uh, using jet motion or however you want to use them to throw different looks at the Denver defense. Throw it all at them. And you know what? The chances are it will all probably work because they haven't shown that they've been able to stop really anything. Like you said, dead last in just about everything on when it comes to defense. Uh, I'm sure a lot of those uh, stats are kind of uh, weighted more from that Dolphins game where they got annihilated uh, and treated like a college team. Um, so, but at the same time, I even if you remove that game. I don't think they're much better. So just there's very little you can do other than just be conservative. Just don't do that. Don't go back to the same game plan as we had against uh, New England. Sure, yeah, run the ball. But you know what? If if things aren't going our way, if 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 uh, the, the Hall game plan doesn't work right away, don't be afraid to change right away. And go right back to that Kansas City game plan and just have Zach air it out constantly. Uh, and I would continue to, to, to throw it on first down because that seems to be something that really gets him into a rhythm. Uh, so if we can get that going early and still lean on the run, I, I think that that is probably our best bet on offense to really see the production that we need to see in this uh, game after the Kansas City went uh, lost. Yep, for sure, for sure. There's a difference between running the ball conservatively and running the ball aggressively. You can run the ball and still look to be aggressive. You can run the ball and still be explosive. It's not a passing is not the only way you can have an explosive offense. And I think that's an important distinction. You can run the ball in this game, and you should run the ball in this game. But you should look to run for chunks. You should look to run for explosives. You shouldn't be looking to run. Just we're going to get in 13 personnel and here we go inside zone first and 10. You can run in ways that allow to take advantage of the speed that your players have. The uh, the next point I want to make about this Broncos defense, it really all kind of ties everything together. They are dead last in the NFL in press rate defensively. They keep their corners about nine to 10 yards off practically every snap. And so there is a of space underneath to the outside. You don't have the opportunity for a cornerback playing press coverage to read a toss play, for instance, and knife inside of the wide receiver that's supposed to block him, or maybe the wide receiver looks like he's going to run a route to try and draw the DB to go with him, and the DB reads the play, and he shoots underneath, and you cut that lane off for that pitch. You have a ton of space to the outside, to the short and intermediate that you can take advantage of in your run game specifically by getting the ball to the outside on some toss plays, letting Brees Hall do what he did in Denver a year ago, which is take a toss to the edge and run up the sideline for 60-something yards and a touchdown. You can do some similar plays. You can call that reverse we saw to Xavier Gibson that picked up 15 yards against the Chiefs. You can call plays like that 
because if the end on the, the play side that you're giving this pitch to, if he doesn't read it perfectly and he doesn't get a hand on Gibson, there's nobody to the edge to get in the way. The Denver linebackers don't even uh, aren't even in the same stadium as the rest of their defense most of the time. They're so lost and they're so unaware as to what's happening. Even, you know, Alex Singleton, who's been one of their main starters, has been horrendous this year has no clue where to go with his eyes, has no idea what offenses are trying to to do to their defense to take advantage of anything that they do. They're lost. You don't have to worry about them getting a read and making a play. You can get the ball to the outside on the edges and pick up some explosives in the run game. And conversely, you can throw the ball on first down. You can be aggressive down the field. You can call the little eight-yard stick route on first down to Garrett Wilson because all he has to do is threaten the tiniest bit vertical and whatever Broncos cornerback is on the outside is so far off that they're just going to be far away from it. They're going to go, I'm good, get vertical. I'm going to be in slow play this. Garrett snaps it off at eight yards. He's wide open. Cool. Do it again. You can call screens because who's going to get out to try and choke anything off? You can call so many plays to take advantage of this defense to be explosive. And you don't have to just be looking for kill shots down the field every single play. There are games for that. And we have talked about the games when that should be your focus, when you should look to throw bombs and launch the ball downfield and be aggressive and take your shots. You can take your shots in this game, but you can be. I don't want to say conservative, but you can be controlled and you can be efficient and you can bleed the clock and you can keep your defense fresh and you can steamroll the Denver Broncos by just playing a clean, controlled game that takes advantage of their weakness to the outside. I am I think the game plan for me, Matt, is just clear as day. I don't see that there's any reason to do anything else. Why would you? Nothing. No other team in the league has done anything else, and the Broncos' defense has allowed more yards than anybody. They're number one in yards after contact allowed, so they're going to give you nine yards of free space underneath and ask their guys to come up and tackle, and they're number one in yards after contact allowed. Sounds like a good plan to me. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I'm trying to do a reverse engineering of what the Broncos will probably do. And it would probably be the opposite of what you said they've already done. Uh, I would play very tight with our receivers, and I would send a lot of people uh, and on a pass rush, too, uh, with blitzes and exotic blitzes uh, to see if we can get Zach out of rhythm. So I would plan for that. I Like you said, with screens, with uh, quick pop plays, just things to get him at, to get him passing the ball quickly into the hands of our star players and kind of reduce uh, the, the threat of, of that blitz. Because if we take advantage of that even a little bit at the start, they're going to come off of that real quick and fall back into their usual ways. And at that point, we can pick them apart in all the ways that we just mentioned. Can I can I give you a counterpoint, Matt? Sure. In our, for an argument's sake, wouldn't that be the plan against the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields too? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> they and they did the ex- and they sat nine yards off the whole game. Sure. I mean, it's maybe it takes some people a little bit longer to to kind of you know catch on to the adjustments they need to make. Well, they won that game. Um, they came so back late. Hopefully, hopefully they got down. They but not because well, of I that. Would, no, but if you're the Denver Broncos, and we've seen the dysfunction from them as an organization and from this team over the first couple of weeks, are you going to sit there and go, oh, we, 
you know, we won, we finally won. We've been close in every game. Is that going to be your focus of we need to now change our game plan for an offense that would be better equipped to handle a defense trying to be aggressive against them from what we've seen as opposed to the Chicago Bears? Or would you stick to what you've been doing because you got to win? Vance Joseph is their defensive coordinator. Vance Joseph has been his cover three sky nine yards off single high safety self for as long as he's been a coach in the NFL. And it's as we've seen from Robert Sala, as we've seen from Dan Quinn, as we've seen from Pete Carroll, as we've seen from pretty much every other coach from that tree that has been in that sort of scheme and environment, they've all evolved. They've all changed. They've all added new wrinkles. They're not keeping their corners that far back. The Jets play a lot of off coverage, but it's at about six or seven yards deep, not nine or ten. And it's a different... This is an archaic defensive scheme with a defensive coordinator that's too stuck in his own ways to change. I, I just... I'm... I don't see any reason why they would change. And if they do, then I think the Jets have the ability and and the opportunity to take advantage of that too. But I don't expect anything to change from this Denver defense because they've had multiple opportunities to see that it needed to change before. They had 70 points scored on them by the Miami Dolphins a week before and then went up against a lowly offense in the Chicago Bears and did the exact same thing. Why would they change now? I I mean, you gotta you make a very good point. And Chances are they probably won't. This is just what I would change <laughs> if I were them. Um, but you know what? You, if I, I, I don't know. I don't know what goes through their mind when game planning or trying to make uh, mid-game adjustments. Because, yeah, we just haven't seen it. Uh, I kind of want to shift gears now to maybe the the part of, 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 their, of the Broncos that we probably would have to worry about, which is their offense. Uh, and because, like you said, they, they did win last week. They did come back, make an incredible comeback. Uh, so their offense is not as inept as they were last year. So maybe they can thank Peyton for that. Uh, but you know what? It, it's something that we should watch. But at the same time, is their offense even close to what the Chiefs' offense is? No, not even close. So... Are we? Should we be that worried? No, I, I I'm not as worried about what our defense can do against their offense. Uh, Russell Wilson is not better than Mahomes. He's not more mobile than Mahomes. He's not more accurate than Mahomes. He's not going to make the crazy throws that Mahomes makes. He's still good. He still has it. He's not as washed as everybody thought after last year. Uh, but at the same time what they offer and what they've been doing, putting out there on a week to week basis is not something that really inspires fear, uh, especially in a defense as our own, where we still have uh, all the pieces in place uh, to really kind of take this kind of team on and, and really shut them down and really impose our will and make them play our game. And then that just pushes everything back on our offense. Like that gives our offense the control to to really play the game that we want to play. And if we can get that lead and play with a lead, then that puts our defense in a position where they want to play. They love playing with lead. They want to be uber aggressive uh, and really come after the quarterback. So if we can do that, I think that is something that uh, will play pay a. a very good dividends in the end. Um, I was seeing that DJ Reed's in concussion protocol. Uh, the, uh, am I seeing that right? 
You are. So that's a little troubling. They still have um, you know, uh, they, they still have Judy. Uh, they still have Poor uh, Sutton. Sutton. Then they have Marvin Mims. So they yep. still have some weapons on the outside. Uh, I think Eccles was hurt, hurt last week Eccles as well. Is so out again this week too. Eccles is out. So if Reed is out at all, uh, that could be trouble. That's something that I'm worried about. Um, I think that the, our defense is creative enough to, to find a way to make do, whether it's move Michael Carter outside and then just use more three safety sets. Uh, I could see that being the, the compensation. Um, we just have to see. But I still think that we have the, the weapons in place to make plays and be even more aggressive than we've been so far. Yeah, I agree. Um, my point defensively is you go counterintuitive to how teams were playing the Jets the first couple of weeks. The threat of this Denver offense is their passing attack. It's their wide receivers. Marvin Mims is playing some incredible football for a rookie. Uh, he, he really, really is. And he needs to start getting more attention because the dude is making big plays as a return man, as a receiver. Doesn't matter every single game so far. And he is a threat that you need that we need to keep their our eyes on. Um, Javante Williams, their number one running back, was hurt for a good majority of the Bears game, waiting on word to see whether he's going to play this week. But they had a rookie fill in in his place by the name of Jaleel McLaughlin, who had a great game against Chicago that had over 100 total yards, had 70 yards rushing on seven carries or 72 yards rushing on seven carries. Small but shifty, explosive, quick, able to make quick cuts. You know, a, a guy that historically the Jets offense has struggled with when they have to break down and make tackles in space. If they can't read things early and get a clean shot, when they have a guy that's got an opportunity to, to make somebody miss or get some room to move, they miss tackles. And that's been an issue even going back to last year sometimes. So you, you have some guys to worry about on offense, but I'm more worried about what Marvin Mims and Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton can do than I am about a rookie Julio McLaughlin going again in his second game where he, as a feature back, yes, he played well against Chicago, but the Bears defense isn't good either. So against our defense, I'm a little more confident. And if you have an offense that can score pretty much whenever they want and is playing controlled football and taking a little time off the clock with the run game and being efficient, you can get up to a lead and then you can suffocate Denver. And you can say, okay, we're going to take away your passing attack. You have to run the ball. And every time you do, the clock just keeps draining. And we're going to wind it down and wind it down. And, oh, we're on offense again. And we're going to take six and a half minutes of offense or seven minutes of offense. And we're going to go down the field and we're going to score again, too. Cool. Defense on the field. We're not, you're not passing. Run the ball. Catch up to us with the run game. I, I, I'm, I'm not scared of Russell Wilson. I'm not terrified of the Denver receiving core. But if any unit of the Denver offense is going to win in this game, it's going to be their receiving core and their passing attack. So take that away, make them outscore you with their running game and see what this Denver offensive line is about going against a tough front like the Jets have. I, I think you can outright smother them. I think this could we'll get to predictions in a little bit, but I, I think this could be a shutout game. That'd be really nice. Uh, you, you mentioned the run game. I think Javante Williams also ended up on the injury report after the their game against the Bears as well. So if he can't go, I 
that that pretty much neuters them and limits them to just the passing game. So once you get a team one dimensional, I think you can really impose your will on them and dictate how you want the game to go. Um, as long as we can lock them their passing game down, which I think is more than possible, uh, I think that's the the the, the most likely scenario to uh, a game plan where we totally destroy them. And yeah, a shutout could be possible. But you know what? I, with our defense, I feel like they always have very slow starts. They always seem to spot a team, a score in, in the first couple drives or even a couple scores. Uh, so I can definitely see them taking some shots early and having some success and then bearing down. So I don't see it being a complete shutout. But I think that they will find their bearings uh, early and find their way to play the game they want to play. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. Uh, I mean, the defense takes a little bit to get into a rhythm to see what uh, their offense is trying to do to attack them. And then they adjust and, and they get a clue of what's happening and they usually lock in a little bit more. It's certainly possible that we could see some some early shenanigans from Denver that catches them off guard. But they come back and respond after that. But I just I I love this matchup for the Jets as a whole. I I really really do. I think this is you have you have all of the energy in the world to go out and make a resounding resounding statement. And I really think this will be a huge test for Robert Sala in particular, because we've seen for a long time the Jets have struggled to handle success. That when they have a big win, when they have an opportunity to do something well when they have a reason to celebrate that the next week they come out flat, they get overconfident, they, you know, get right back to their old ways. And then woe is me. Here's the disaster again. Well, they didn't win last week. They came close. They got some newfound, you know, residual residual uh, energy from their offense. They got the fans in the stadium to finally cheer and be loud and, and be in that environment and feel it. And they got real close. And then in a lot of ways, they might have even gotten cheated. Take all that motivation. Take all that improvement. Turn around and come out this week against the Denver Broncos and, and knock them in the dang mouth. Take, take their lunch money. Go be the bully. Go, go do whatever you want to this team that is reeling. And I, I really, really think you can set yourself up to go on a little bit of a, a stabilization run where maybe you don't beat the Eagles the week after, but you put up a real good fight. You get to your next couple of games after that, and you're competing. You win a couple of those. You set yourself up for the lighter half of the schedule at the back half of the season. And maybe you find a way to still sneak out a playoff uh, spot. It's not completely out of the question yet, and I think it can really start this week. If you come out this week as the New York Jets, and they're flat, and they're back to being conservative completely on offense, and the defense is having miscommunications or missing tackles, and, and that energy doesn't seem to be there, when you have the momentum of playing well in front of the whole world the week before and coming up short, you have the momentum of Sean Payton and everything that he said in the summer about Aaron Rodgers and Daniel Hackett and the bad blood between the teams as motivation. You have the motivation of Brees Hall and Elijah Vera Tucker, who both lost their seasons in that same stadium a year before. If you can't come out for this week ready to take people's heads off, then what is going to make you want to do it? I completely agree. Uh, we have a real chance here to to really build on the momentum that we we built in Kansas City, even if it was a loss, like you said. Uh, uh, and yeah, really kind of set in motion 
a different trajectory for this season because there was a lot of anger. There was a lot of sadness when Rogers went down and a lot of that anger and sadness, you know, filled the, the Twitter sphere uh, and the radio sphere and everywhere across the medias and um, the fandom to, to the point where it was a lost season before it even started. And now we've got a glimpse of hope that's just glimmering there in the corner of our eyes. And all we need to do is just turn a little and we can see it a little bit more clearly. And that starts this week with a nice, confident win in Denver. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, Matt, I'm going to toss things to you first for predictions. What are we thinking about for a score this week? Um, I do believe it was a blowout. I don't believe it's going to be a, sh- a shutout. I think that their offense uh, is going to click early and find some scores. Uh, but in the end, I think uh, Zach comes out there with uh, a lot of the same confidence. I think Hall uh, gets out there with uh, a bigger plate. And they really just come together and build a, a complete offense that really just takes it to this Denver Broncos defense. I'm going to say it's going to be 30 to 10. Jets. Okay, good, good. I like it. We are we are very, very similar. Um, I agree with a lot of things that you said. Um, I think there's a chance that this could be a shutout game, but I think it would take some some bad play from the Denver Broncos as well as more than just good play from the Jets defense. So I, I think they will get a few scores in. I, I think they will be able to move the ball a little bit. I I really don't like the the thought of Marvin Mims being able to get the ball in space and have Jordan Whitehead have to come up and tackle him. Uh, I think that could lead to some issues. So I think Denver might get a a couple of scores in, but I do think this Jets offense is just going to take over. And and I think they're going to do whatever they want and they're going to get out to a lead early and they're going to dictate the game and they're going to be able to impose their will. And it's going to be a, a pretty, pretty good score. I'm a little less, um, egregious than you i have it as 27 13 jets so an extra one less field goal and a field goal trade at either side from your score um but i think it's going to be a solid game like i said before if you're robert sala if you can't get your team to be motivated for this week then then what can you motivate them to do at all i mean you have all the reason and all the the want to is the new york jets to go into denver and take over their stadium and run them out of their own field. And if you can't do it this week, after all the momentum that you built last week, after being able to, to have the aha moment and make the adjustments that needed to be made, make personnel adjustments that needed to be made to install all this confidence in Zach Wilson and watch him respond in the way that he did. If you can't take all of that moving forward and add to it and build on it and instead go right back to your old ways, then then I'm not going to have anything else to say. There is there is no reason the New York Jets should not be on their P's and Q's and ready to to really, really take it to the Denver Broncos this week. I can't see I, I would be it would be a, a fireable offense if the Jets come out completely flat this week. It really would. And it would be a, a huge disappointment uh, after the game that we just had. This is our best shot at getting back in this thing. They need to reach out and grab it. There's there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You need this one. Uh, yeah. I know it's 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 uh, kind of crappy to say, oh, this is a must-win game in week five, 
but it is. It is. It hundred percent really is. is. It's an AFC so win too, like it is. which mm-hmm. is going to help for playoff fixture down the road. Like, yep. no, this is this is one hundred percent a must-win game if you want to have any amount of thought or hope or chances of having a successful season and by some miracle getting into the playoffs, you have to win this week. It is non-negotiable. Yep, coming out flat is not acceptable. No, not at all. All right, well, that does it for us this week, Matt. I always appreciate you taking the time to sit here and talk with us. Thank you to everyone listening as well for giving us your time too. Uh, You know what to do. Let's wrap this one up, sir. I'm Matt. You can find me at Zazzy Jets. And you can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17. You can also follow the show at OKD Podcast. Thank you all one more time for tuning in. And we will be back next week to review week five in Denver. Hopefully a much better result overall than the last time the Jets went to Denver. We'll hope the win stays the same. Thank you guys for tuning in and we'll be back real, real soon. Bye bye.